Welcome to the Plan B Premier Podcast. This podcast is for professionals, entrepreneurs, aspiring entrepreneurs, and leaders who want to create greater income and greater impact. On the podcast, we explore strategies, tools, and techniques for creating multiple income streams, achieving financial freedom, launching your entrepreneurial dreams, and living a life of impact. We bring to you amazing guests and experts, as well as practical opportunities to help you achieve your entrepreneurial goals. This is the Plan B Premium Podcast, and I am your host, Damien. Today, I have with me on the podcast an amazing individual, one whom I am so proud to call brother. I mean, I have my blood brother on the podcast with me today, and I can't wait to dig into his story and to also hear some of the strategies that have helped him so far in his own journey, right, of entrepreneurship, but also being a value creator. Welcome to the show, Lumide. Thank you. Thank you very much, Demi. It's it's great to be here. You know, I'm excited about this. Love to be here, having this um, opportunity to share. Uh, it's really a great platform that we've created here, and it's glad to be here. Awesome stuff. Brilliant. I love it. I, I mean, I think I've watched you and I've seen you for practically your entire lifetime, so to speak, right? And I've seen your drive and I've seen what you've done. You know, and one of the questions I like to ask my guests when they come on the show is, what is your favorite entrepreneurship quote? Okay, well, thank thank you. For for me, you know, one lots of quotes, you know, lots of books over the years, but one thing that has stood out for me, you know, from entrepreneurship as a watchword, I picked this up from a book I read many years ago. That was um, 24 Keys to Complete Success and Happiness, a book by Paul J. Mayer. And the quote goes like this, my work is my ministry. Satisfaction comes when they are one and the same. And, you know, just to break it down, you know, the work that I do, the work that I do, that's what I go to do every day, should essentially be my ministry. My ministry in this sense, you know, just for clarity purpose, looks at what exactly I'm doing here on it. What's the purpose I am here, you know, to serve? What's the value I'm adding? You know, what's the contribution I'm making to the world? Because eventually every one of us has got to make some contribution of some kind to this world. So when the work that I do is the same as this ministry, I'm genuinely satisfied. And, you know, this was liberating for me because, you know, I could, I was almost at a place in my life when I felt that, oh, what I was doing was different from, you know, the value I could contribute. So, you know, giving an example, you know, I like to do, you know, drama and stuff like that, which was a beauty in the field of arts. For my education, I had read, you know, electrical engineering. So I, I started to sense a mismatch. You know, I was feeling more like, oh, so if I wanted to do something like, let's say I want to, you know, communicate a message through the arts, I had to do that outside of work. But, you know, recently, and then, you know, judging by knowledge garnered from this, you know, this quote, I've come to see that even in the work I do as an engineer, I have to utilize some of these skills in the heart and find out that I could literally be doing the same thing through this channel, you know, and then even to much larger audiences. So satisfaction comes when you see them as the same. And this has been profound and very much liberating for me. 
I love it. Brilliant. My work is my ministry and my satisfaction comes when I see them as one and the same. I think it's one of the most beautiful gifts we can have when our work is the same place where we are adding value and creating value and getting a sense of fulfillment in the world, right? And I love the example yeah. that you shared of yourself. And I want to make sense of this a bit because, you know, we didn't get to talk about your story so far and where you're coming from and what you've done. Maybe let's let's dig into Olimide's entrepreneurial journey or your story. How have you come to this point over the years? What have you done? Where have you been? Who are you? What do you do? Yeah. Uh, okay. Thank, thank you. Thank you so much. You know, just to start, you know, jumping in on that, for me, entrepreneurship basically, you know, started, you know, with, with the, the things I learned from my mom you know, which is thrift, you know, buying and selling, you know, that's, that's time, there was a time in our lives where we had to stay back, you know, stay at the stores, you know, when you close from school, when you return from school, you helped, we helped her to stay at the store, you know, she was selling um, drugs then, you know, medicine and all. So it, it was this point where literally I started to understand the dynamics and then I took a love for it because the idea was simple. You go to someone who was a wholesaler, get goods, move them to another location, which the goods might not necessarily have been available. You know, put a markup or a margin on these items, sell them at a profit. And from this profit, you could start to develop some form of um, economic freedom or some form of base, some profit base. And so this is this for me was my exposure to entrepreneurship. You know, doing this, watching this as it goes, and even on sometimes having to run these trips, you know, go to buy for her, kind of laid the foundation for me that if you could, you know, commit to a certain skill or a certain art, deliver it to people in a location where they needed it. One thing is it had to be needed and they were willing to pay money for it. You could make money from that. So all through my life, you know, I've seen this at work. I've seen to it and come to understand that it's basically something that you could scale to whatever means you want to, you know, if you keep at it. So from working with her, I also moved on into doing a bit of, you know, some side also then, you know, with her, I went into selling snacks, you know, like um, these edible snacks, meat pies, you know, donuts and all. So I remember then, you know, my, my vendor would supply the snacks and then all I had to do was to make sure I displayed it in the show glass, you know, set it off turn it over and then keep turning the money, keep turning the money. And I've learned, you know, the power in, you know, just turning stuff over, turning that same thing over and then it begins to build and multiply. So then I moved on to, you know, a couple of other things. All through school, I did a bit of printing, uh, a bit of graphic designs too at some point. You know, I also did um, towards the latter end in school. I, I saw, you know, a unique opportunity for kerosene. I think in my hostel then there was... The transformer had gotten spot, you know, people needed, you know, a means of power, you know, for cooking and, you know, these kerosene operated stoves. So I went into selling kerosene wholesale then, and it was a major business for me because, you know, that was where I really started to also make some good money. And leaving school, I continued on this path, you know, in entrepreneurship, went into selling of recharge cards, you know, did a bit of printing, you know, in a partnership then with you. We did something like print house and all. And, you know, before coming to now where we... Are operating a business I've called Omat, which is you know is a um, a discount store. We have a couple of outlets, four outlets now, basically selling goods 
to people in a manner that is what we call in a manner that is convenient and conducive and giving it to them at low price. You know, one of the things we came to understand was that the price point was really in, in important, you know, in setting up what in Nigeria we like to call supermarkets. So if you are going to set up a supermarket, what you are doing is you are bringing every type of good that people will need together under one place. So what happens is that the mindset in Nigeria is if I've gone through all the efforts to bring in your toiletries, you know, your personal care, your utilities, your food, I put them in one store. So I'm going to charge you a fortune for it. But what we've come to understand is that, you know, doing that and then still able to keep a market price, which is the open market price on these items, makes the supermarket setting now attractive to a lot of other people. So this is the business we are doing now. We've been doing this for four years plus, and it's been um, growing and doing very well. This is just a brief background into my entrepreneurship journey. Amazing, amazing. No, thanks for sharing. And I that, that is so beautiful because I'll say a couple of things about it. Like you spoke about, we've been together for years. So we've also, when we used to be in mom's store, um, selling and all that, I think, and this is a beauty, right? Like you saw that, business model of turning things over and continuing to turn things over, moving goods from one place to the other, then adding value to them as long as you could get people that needed them. That was never my thing, to be honest. But I'm so refreshed hearing you talk about how you recognize that opportunity, because I think people are going to have different opportunities that they recognize. But also, as I think about your journey, there is just this consistent adding value that I've seen, right? Whether it was from the kerosene business, the, the snacks business, the recharge cards business, which I saw you do as well. And now OMAT, right? So OMAT for listeners, I think like Olimide is saying, is a chain of supermarkets actually. So um, over the past several years, Olimide has been building um, this chain of supermarkets uh, in Nigeria, and there are four stores now and growing. Yeah. I'm proud to be an investor in that, by the way. So yeah. amazing to be able to grow that together with you. But also, like, you are not just running OMAT. You also have a full-time job as a um, – as a, as a, tell me again, what's your role um, in oh, the company? Yeah, yeah. So I I, I work in um, Nestle, Nestle Nigeria PLC, uh, manufacturers of you know, Maggie, Golden Mon, and all. I work as a manufacturing, as the manufacturing excellence manager in a second factory in Nigeria. So basically what that entails is I do, I'm in charge of performance reporting, you know, standards, process optimization, line labor material standards, and then, you know, coming now into production optimization of the process. So I do a lot of problem solving, you know, um, um, Six Sigma, understanding variation, um, reducing variation in the process. It's just ensuring that quality of the products we have from the factory is guaranteed, is steady, and it's something that people can consume with their eyes closed, like we like to say. So this this is the core of the job I do at Nestle. Wow, brilliant. And you, that is a lot in itself already. And you are keeping people safe, giving them the safe products. But also, I know that comes with a lot of oversight and management and you need to pay attention to details. Now I'm curious, now you've built Omart over the past four to five years to this place of four superstars. How how have you managed to do this while combining with this detailed tedious work that you're doing right as a manufacturing excellence manager okay thank you you know one one thing you know that we will come out at this point is 
like what you mentioned, you know, doing the work even at Nestle, right from when I started, you know, it's 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 a job that requires attention to detail. It's something that you really need to be present in spirit, soul, and body, which means that, you know, you can't afford mistakes. You know, just to give an example, some of the work we do is setting up, you know, different production scenarios or what we call production versions, whereby we run production. So you could make a slight mistake on one and alter the entire cost of production, you know, destroy value across the entire chain. So the work, you know, I have to do in Nestle is so strategic, so important. And, you know, looking at it, at least coming from where I started to this position and then still being able to manage with OMAT, the, the the best way I can summarize it is from how it started. You know, I did my internship some years ago at Guinness, that's Guinness Nigeria PLC, you know, and, you know, one, one you know how in life, you know, it, there's, there's this thing we call defining moments, you know, where you have certain experiences that kind of shape your outlook of life. And one for me happened at Guinness. There was this, um, what do we call it? Was it a retrenchment exercise? If I'll use that term, you know, the company was trying to scale up, you know, size up, be more profitable, deliver certain value to shareholders. They had made some promises. And, you know, part of achieving that promise was to reduce the fixed cost. And, you know, fixed cost is directly tied. 80% of fixed cost is salaries and overheads. And so what it meant was that they were going to have to let go of ants, which are experienced ants and have over the years, you know, built up, the way fast-moving consumer good company works, these FMCGs, the longer you stay, the higher your salary comes because there's always this annual increment. So they were going to let go of what we call most of the cash cows, the people who earn the highest. And the strategy then was that they were going to replace these people with newer, fresh graduates who also had the level of skill, might not have had the experience, but would definitely not earn a third or a fourth, a quarter of what these guys were earning. You know, so, you know, coming to work with these people, I'd worked with these guys for about five months. These were people I looked up to. These were people that, you know, I saw, you know, and I want, really wanted to model, you know, I had come into engineering and I said, oh, these are engineers to look up to. And so when this exercise became clear, I saw these men go into confusion, you know. Then I, for the first time, you know, when one of them got a letter that, oh, your job has been stopped, I saw grown men crying, you know, and then it, it, for me, it was so defining, so instructive because what had happened, and then I understood something that, you know, one of them showed me the payslip, and then he said, you see this payslip, there's the right and on the left. On the left is what shows what comes into your account. You can see I have only one line there, which is my salary. But on the left are a couple of 10 other things I'm servicing. I'm servicing a car loan, I'm servicing a house loan, I'm servicing an educational loan, I've taken this and this kind of facilities. So this salary pays for all my liabilities. So once this salary is taken, I'm a doomed man. You know, it, you know, it was nice to see these people from the outside and see, oh, you had all of this. But really, mm. everything most of these guys had was being funded by by this salary, which was like the collateral. Now it's, it was going to be taken away. You know, so that point for me, one thing that came to me was in life, always have options. And, mm. you know, the discipline of having options means that I was going to have to sacrifice and go the extra mile and get into stuff that was a bit different from the line I was going to do. So for my first year, once I got the job in Nestle, I set up a business, which is OMAT. And that was on the verge of, I was not going to come to a point in my life where I would not have options or something else that I was doing that is going to, you know, be like a cushion, another means where I was adding value. So this is, this is, one of the things, this is what gives me the drive. And you know how everything is as important as the source. 
So every day when I want to get discouraged, when it seems overwhelming, you know, this story just flashes back in my mind that I'm not going to stop doing this thing, irrespective of how big or how I have become in this paid job, because I realize that in creating another means of value, I will give myself an option. And in the same vein, like I've come to see, currently we have about 14 people working for us. These are people who end their livelihood directly from what we are doing. And, you know, it's exciting to see that, you know, all these people go home smiling with their salaries paid on time because we chose to start out this venture. So it's challenging, you know, to put it that way. It's a lot of effort. You know, if a, a typical day means that I wake up, you know, 5 a.m. in the morning and I don't retire till 12 midnight most of the time. Yes, I hardly sleep earlier than that. So essentially, I sleep, you know, for about four or five hours every day. And this is the way it works all through the week, all through the year except for a few times where I'm able to squeeze out some holidays. But the reason why I dedicate so much passion is, you know, the understanding of what inspired it and then also the, the satisfaction and then the value it's bringing to the lives of others. I hope I hope I was able to, you know, cover some points while explaining this. Yeah, no, that's brilliant. You know, you say a number of things. And in my recent book, The Plan B Premier Action Guide, which people can get at planbpreneur.com, and another, uh, the full Plan B Premier book is going to come out in print next year. Great. I talk about what's your motivation. I talk about what's the drive, what is making you want to do this? Because like you just said, your motivation came out of something that you saw practically. Somebody who was a grown man, actually who probably had children as well, crying because yeah. they were taking away what was considered his only source of income at that time. And I guess that right now, mm -hmm. if anybody is listening to this and there's just one source of income that you're still relying on, then it is super risky. I think we should have gone beyond that stage. But anyway, that's why Plan B Premier was set up. But I love what you yeah. said as well about the value that you can add, right? You know, and I can relate with what you're saying. Across my different ventures and projects, we have close to 10 people that we also employ and pay salaries too and the beauty of it is that you are adding value we are adding value to people you're talking about those 14 people that come every day and they get their salaries and they get paid those are people that you are adding value to so you're able to do this job on this uh, where you are creating uh, a difference right but are also able to create a platform to add value to others yeah. and from what i'm hearing from you your motivation actually keeps you going especially where there's a price to pay and i'm curious to hear what are some of because sometimes people tell me time lifestyle issues are some of the challenges that they have because you know people can't just imagine waking up at five o'clock and trying to go sleep at 12. I'm not saying everybody should do it, but you know, there's a price to pay. What are yeah, some of the yeah. prices practically? That's one of them. What are some of the things that maybe you cut out? What are some of the things that you're doing in such a way that it allows you to be able to concentrate and to build something like this where you're now like four stores and, and growing? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Great. Great. Thank, thank you so much for that. You know, so you, like what you said, one of the major price, you know, I've learned that this will require is, you know, the price of time because it's, um, it makes it such that, you know, you have to, you have to commit a lot of time to doing and building this kind of venture. You know, one other thing is that 
as a, as a rule also, a, one thing I've also learned is to limit the distractions or let me say, choose, choose your distractions. You know, as a rule in my house, you know, growing up, you know, I have a lovely wife also and two kids and, you know, these kids are below four. So it's a, it's a lot of work, you know, just not to go to that area because, you know, we can talk about doing business, um, you know, doing business, taking a paid job. But when you have kids at home, it's also a full-time job. And then, you know, it's a lot of, but one, one thing we do is we, we do not have a, a TV in our house. Now, this is strategic because, you know, like what I said, choose your distractions. You know, sorry, not like we don't have a TV. We don't, we don't have cable services or anything. So if we want to watch a movie, you know, we speak what we want to watch. You know, like what we even do is we pick TV series that we can finish watching under 30 minutes if we are to have some mm. kind of entertainment every day. Because it's important that you don't allow distractions, you know, or things you can't control to take up too much of your time. So that way we are able to control what we call relaxation. Not like relaxation is a it takes its own space, you know. And so this is one of the this is this is another price, you know, controlling distractions, ensuring that what we do frees up a lot of the time. One one other thing that I can come to, you know, as some of the regimes is, you know, I, I also at, at the beginning of every day, I have to plan out and structure the day the way it's going to go. Well, over time, at least for a week, normal weekdays, Monday to Friday, I have a, a, you know, almost like a regimented schedule. Like, I know I'm up five. I know what I have to do, you know, to get to the office before eight. Sometimes I have to drop off the kids. But I, I know the time I leave the office. And when I come back from the office, you know, I recently these days I've taken about 30 minutes to one hour to just think, you know, put some plans about the business. Then I resume immediately at the store, say like, 6 30 7 sometimes you know and then i spend it till night trying to watch execution and also you also have to order your day you know it's more like at the end of the day you are basically going to be doing um what what we would term from you know the habits of effective people you are you are you are what we call you are ordering or organizing your priorities meaning that what are the things that are most important to you then you now have to arrange your schedule exactly the term is schedule your priorities not prioritize your schedules, you know. Yeah, like what I have to do now is that what are the things that are most important to me? Okay, my children, the work that I do, this business, and you know, in this I a lot of sub-segments. So what I now do is to now put priorities, now put schedules around these priorities. When do I do this? When do I do that? These are some of the things you know that go into everyday planning. And maybe just to mention, you know, another thing also that you know could come as you know the the, the a price, you know. Something to do at this point also is um, I, there's this mindset one has to have of what is called delayed gratification, which is that um, it's there's this mind some people have to life that, oh, I'm doing this kind of thing. I have to enjoy myself now. But one thing I've learned is, especially for someone who wants to work in purpose, you're going to have to realize that be able to also schedule relaxation. Don't assume that every day or every week you have to reward yourself with a long realization period. If you do that, what will happen is that you will lose steam, you'll burn out. To survive in this kind of fast-paced atmosphere, you really literally have to be fast all the time. And, you know, to stay fast is like someone who wants to run a race. You have to be practicing. You know, you want to run 100 meters race. You have to have um, a daily exercise, you know, fast exercise. Because if all you do every day is, let's say, marathon kind of training, 
the exercise you do is long distance kind of training. You will not be fast on the day when you are required to be fast. But if you want to run the 100 meters race, it will mean that almost every day you are doing this kind of speed race as trial. So th this is one last thing I want to say. Have that mind of delayed gratification, which is something I practice, such that you can remain on top of your game 100% of the time. You know, having this kind of mind will make you ready to meet any challenge that any of these things could pose. Wow, brilliant. I love it. Like three solid points you just put out there. First one being choose your distractions, right? Number two, you said have a regimented schedule. That's what you do at least. And three is having a mindset of delayed gratification. Because I think that this is important to talk about. Like some people, I know people have started stuff and then when it gets hard, you know what they just do? They just turn on Netflix and, you know, to escape or to just like I can't kill myself kind of thinking yeah. <laughs> if you're in it for the long term then you need to set your eyes forward like you need to really be um putting yourself you you cutting not cutting yourself slack right um, yeah. you can have the tv on 24 7 you can have uh, certain kinds of I, the honest truth is that for anybody trying to do this you will prioritize a lot of things you would have to it will remind you of what's important you can't just have unnecessary hangouts um you can have unnecessary long conversations because you know i am here to do ministry to create purpose to create value and to be oh. intentional oh. about that so i i think this is and and i think people that are trying to do this also can begin to see what are the current distractions that i'm giving my time to that yeah. if I save those that time from, I will be able to use it on my plan B or like on my venture, right? Yeah. And so yeah. also thinking, how could I order or structure my time and my day in such a way that I am able to give enough attention? If I'm doing a full-time job, great, let me do that. You know, people talk about your nine to five is for your full-time job. Your five to nine is for the plan <laughs> B and everything that yeah. you need to do. Then, yeah. of course, the delayed gratification in terms of, okay, um, this is an ongoing hustle. It's not just time for me to chill and relax, right? Like the money is coming and all that. No, this is brilliant, solid stuff that you're giving, and I hope that people can use this. Now, as I as I start around this stuff, I, I wanted to ask, yeah. like, what has been super challenging in this process for you? I know there's a lot, especially... I think especially, for example, you're hiring people and you have to leave and you are not there 24-7. Like, what has been super challenging if you were to even talk about, like, the challenges of doing this this way? Hmm. All right. Th thank you so much for that. You know, um, look looking at it, you know, this point you mentioned, you you, you gave it hint on hiring. You know, for me, the, the biggest thing is, you know, having to run the business while being absent for a bulk of the time and then, you know, having to catch up with what has gone on. Because the way Supermart runs is you're, you're running for at least um, 14, 15 hours a day. You have to open. We have people organized across different shifts. Some people on the morning shift, some on the afternoon, some on day shift. You know, so but one big thing for me is this absentee kind of leadership. And bridging that gap to be able to inspire people, challenge people, you know, being present without being present. So while it's been a major challenge, it is always a challenge because it's not like something that goes away. But, you know, we've done a lot of stuff. We've learned and we are learning because one thing I realize is 
for this kind of journeys, you you learn perpetually every minute. You know, like I tell my people something. I said, see, the only thing permanent in this organization is change. Like we could have done something this way up to yesterday, and then we change it today. Three hours down the line, we have to change again because the 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 only true reward, you know, what makes an agile organization is actually this flexibility, the ability to understand the trends and adapt. So, you know, we go with the flow. That's the way we've dealt with this challenge. One good thing is that we've also leveraged on technology. You know, so we set up WhatsApp platforms, we set up, you know, um, all these CUG services, a lot of other communication means, you know, using utilization of Instagram and all. But what we do is we create these online platforms where, you know, we can collaborate as a business where we can pass on information. And then as a leader, also, I have to find means to constantly, you know, challenge the guys. You know, we have to do a lot of meetings offsite. There are certain times too, you know, just to thinking of it, I have to plan days off, you know, my leave days to old special staff retreats, staff meetings, you know, management meetings and all. But all this is just in a bit to ensure that the organization is working together. Because one of the things I came to understand recently that was that communication is one of the biggest, you know, challenges anyone will face either at home, in business or at work. So the more you invest into improving communications, the better things will flow. So this is one, the way we have challenged We've picked all of this as a communication challenge. And day by day, we keep finding innovative ways, innovative ways, sorry, to bridge the gap. You know, take, for example, with hiring, most of the interviews we do at OMAT, I fix in the night if I have to be there. Yes, and so when I tell people that, oh, you're interviewed, you're coming for an interview at OMAT and it's 7.30 p.m., most of the time I usually get a call like, hello, it's 7.30 p.m., not a.m. And I'm like, yes, this is what works for me. I'm sorry. You can have a first stage, you know, with the supervisors, with the managers on ground. But if it's a position that requires I meet with the person, then I have to fix that, that kind of hour. But all of this is just, you know, pushing the frontiers, you know, asking ourselves, why not? Why not? You know, checking for the unconventional and keep finding a way to solve these problems as they come. No, that's cool. Thanks for sharing. I can imagine people are like, where would you call an interview in the night? But I guess it's what it is, like flexibility, especially if such a person is going to be working in the night. There's, there's no reason they can't attend an interview in the night because the superstar probably runs late into the night. So if you say you can't attend an interview in the night, then you're probably not even cut out to, yeah, to do the work. Sure. But I mean, this is great to hear. And I, could literally like hear you in terms of like bridging the gap with being absent and and I and I applaud the structure that you've put in place, the intentionality, some of which you've shared, but also some of which uh, I guess people will continue to learn and maybe sometime again we'll be able to chat on. But I think you using being able to invest in communication, catching up as necessary, setting aside specific times, especially during your leave period, etc. When you want to have those kinds of retreats and bringing the team together. But really what I'm hearing is communication, 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 and alignment, especially when you're yeah. not there. Yeah. Wow, man, this has been super cool. This has been like, you know, we haven't talked about this a lot, but um, we, we talk about other things in the business, but I'm glad to really be able to chat with you from where you sit and how you're experiencing running the business. So thank you for sharing this. All right. Thank you. And thank for you. our viewers, our listeners, rather, I should get on TV soon, same viewers. Um, <laughs> what, 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 one last question that I always ask is, what are two things, you know, you've just talked about a crazy schedule and a lot that you have to do, but what are two things that, 
two of the things that you hold dear that keep you sane, that keep you going as an entrepreneur. You know, you talked about motivation, that, that's fine. But what are two things? There might be practices, there might be objects or stuff that keep you going. Oh, okay. Um, two things. Um, let me start from the less fun one to the more fun one. <laughs> you know, the less fun one is that I, I learned something recently because it's, you know, it's always learning. You know, you have to keep learning that true discipline, true freedom, sorry, comes at the price of discipline. And, you know, what I saw to it is that, you know, people say, oh, I want to be free. You know, I want to have this. I want to have that. But it, most people do not realize that the cost of freedom is actually discipline, which means that if you are ever going to be free, you know, I mean, when I mean free, literally what it means is you can do what you want. And, you know, of course, in a responsible manner, but, you know, you you can dream big and you dream big. You can, you know, take different things and you can accomplish them. You're going to have to have a disciplined life. So one thing that I hold as a practice, you know, which I usually do and I always do is, you know, put controls in place as a person. There are certain things I, you know, I have to do certain times, you know, like what I was talking about, like once I return from the office, I need to dedicate 20, 30 minutes to certain thought processes, to reading, to making confessions, you know, reimagining the future of what I want to do, you know, because you have to spend time. Like what I've come to understand, things happen first in your mind before they happen on the outside. So I spend a lot of time, you know, pondering over what and what will be the next step. You know, recently I we reviewed some of our daily targets, you know, in our operations, you know, we're doing something. And, and then we wanted to grow by 20%. But I decided to, in my own mind, I knew I wanted us to go about 100% over where we were. You know, but giving it, passing it on to the guys, you're like, oh, it's not possible if this is that. But one thing is, looking back, you know, at the past few weeks, I found out that that target, we reached 123%, you know, which was way higher. But two things, you know, from the place of a leader, you have to do the work, which is, you know, that discipline, staying true, imagining, you know, walking through it mentally in your mind. You know, every time I have to envision what the store looks like, what people will come in to see, what is the best response for people to give to people. So then I go into the store, I practice this thing, and then I pass it on to the staff. You know, so this this part of discipline as the path to freedom, that's as the way to freedom, is one of the major things that I hold on to. It's not so fun to do because it exacts a lot on you as an individual, but it's worthwhile because if the leader doesn't do this work, really the organization will never go in that line. But the day the leader starts to reimagine what the business will look like, think of what the targets will be, you know, take that discipline to spend time in the unseen, if I'll use that term, to spend time in the place of imagination, the faster the business will move. Then the second thing for me, which I say is more fun is, you know, one of the goals I have for my life is that, you know, I want to be able to afford literally anything I want. And, you know, affordability is one thing, you know, what I want to do. I also have certain goals of what I want to be able to give to people. I have certain goals of, you know, the amount of people I want to be able to reach out to. I have goals of the kind of contribution I want to make. So all those things are the things that, you know, I hold on to that are like routines. So take, for example, when I want to ease myself or stretch, I tell myself, okay, I, I would like to travel to so-so-and-so. But if I'm going to be able to afford that, I have to do this work, you know. So one of the things I do as you know, as a leisure thing or something that is enjoyable for me is that I love to dream, you know, just spend time also to think, imagine nice things you want to do, you know, imagine what would be the reward for all this effort you are putting into it. And then once the opportunity comes, I go for it. 
you know, and because fine, you don't want to practice instant gratification, oh, I must have reward now, now. But with the culture of discipline, which puts you in for the long term, also, I also have this mindset of, yes, it's one life you're going to live, so you're going to have to enjoy it. And to enjoy life, you need means. To have the means to enjoy life, you need to also put in the work for it. And don't forget to reward yourself when these means start to come. So those are two basic things, like a carrot and stick approach, you know. One is rewarding for me, the other is tasking and, you know, it's exacting on me. But these two go together and then set me and keep me in shape always. Wow, that is so brilliant. And again, I love it. I've learned so much from just hearing you and certainly been fired up uh, again. So I'm sure that our listeners as well are going to love, 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 love everything that they're hearing. And you just sharing, I think we will get you back on the podcast and we will talk about really like the um, the work of the unseen or the work that goes on behind the scenes in terms of creating and birthing something or sort of making things to work so i love that you also set aside intentional time to do that man olu thank you so much for coming to this podcast thank you so much (laughs) yeah it's been amazing it's been great i can't wait to put it out there and for our listeners thank you for listening so far if you've listened so far i can't wait to hear your feedback please send us an email hello at plumbypreneur.com or check out any of our social media platforms at plumbypreneur or go to the website plumbypreneur.com and just share your feedback and um, please share this podcast with someone who would need it until the next time that i come to you my name is demi and i want to say keep making income and keep making impact bye for now